very fucking unprofessional. Clock four peasy, this shit too easy. These fucking rap niggas be talking too greasy. Say smoke will run up on me, nigga, when you see me. Pussy. Murder unprofessional as fuck podcast. Two bad bitches trying to fuck all night. Heard we was in a club, he had to duck all night. I told him, catch him at the let out, shoot his truck on sight. <laughs> niggas ain't got it, niggas ain't bought it. Honey cash, large black card in my pocket. World's no bitchy, I don't need a rocket. Brand new bitch, what? Cause I don't need a drop it. Is this I ain't responding? I'm like, I ain't need a pop it. Sweeping my bitch, flying profit, different islands. And I ain't lying, I got this money shit to a science. Got your baby mama in the Bahamas acting different than she was. Let's go. All that 42 get turned like thugging up. All that cash we get real slimy, talk like thugging up. Niggas say they fuck with us, but we don't fuck with them. My youngin' get that chopper turn to Andre, he start drumming up. Boss, grew up in the projects, jumping on the roof. Garbage bag full of dollars, I can fund a movie. Young Jimmy Iveen of the crime scene. Leave a nigga old team on them IVs. This is without a shadow of a doubt. Be talking to tell what your town is talking about. It's unprofessional as fuck. Hosted by Ruck, sports show number motherfucking name. Count a thousand pounds as we ride around. This you say is not allowed, so we shot him down. I ain't dropping this shit till Friday. Cause I ain't stepping on that adding elements four episode. Don't need to go check that shit out. Shouts to the uh the brother Marcel, man, who was sell on the beat, man. My guy was came through, showed up and showed out. Highly recommend y'all go back to that episode if you haven't already listened. This week, there's a lot to get into. Not only do we have NFL action from week uh, eight that went down, but we also have the NBA tip-off took place this Tuesday. Beginning of the 2023-2024 season, I didn't really watch none of that game. I was waiting for the Warriors-Suns game to come on that I was following. Went over to mom's house with the fam, you know what I mean? Went over there, grubbed, mom's came. I'll be honest with you, man. I was doing the catch-up on the family time. I wasn't even really tripping off of the game too much. Got the, you know, got the commentators down low, just chilling, having convo and shit. But um, all in all, you know, I ended up coming back to the hut towards the end of the game. I think it was like five minutes left when we cut. Got back home, ended up watching the final couple of minutes. Seemed just like, you know, the, that Warriors team, I don't know what's going on. This is, the identity's been lost a little bit. We'll talk about it when we get into it. But, I mean, just in case I forget this point, I don't know why Chris Paul is shooting uh, three-pointers at the end of the game at all. Like, <laughs> that's not something that I think about when I think about CP3. Um, the three in the name is for the number on his back. It's not for his ability to shoot them. But, hey. I'm just uh I'm just potting, you know what I mean? They out there bowling. So so do what y'all do, but let's get into it. What's going on in Santa Clara? <laughs> Seems like as soon as I put these guys onto the cover of one of the uh, sports show episodes, they've lost two weeks in a row now. You know, I, I was over here talking about the Super Bowl goes through uh Santa Clara and, and it still very well may be eventually once they get, you know, healthy if they ever do get healthy again. This time of the year is where, you know, the injuries start to set in. You start to see who's actually hurt versus those who were just playing through injury. Some more to be uh, noted here is, you know, Christian McCaffrey, he came back. He played through injury. He had no issues. Everybody was thinking, you know, oh, okay, we might see a Jordan Mason game or or uh, my hopes was that it would be a, it would be a passing effort and we would get a whole lot of Ayuk. I needed him to come through for me in uh, fantasy to get that W. And, um... I'll just leave it at this, man. The 49ers right now, they're facing injuries. You know, we, we're talking about Debo Samuel, who's out. Um, a lot of other key players, I'm sure, on both sides of the ball. But, you know, do you think about Debo when you think about offensive weapons being that Christian McCaffrey was also um, banged up a bit. Said something about a oblique injury, but he came in, showed up, and showed out. Continued his streak, I believe it's 15 or 16 games straight with a touchdown. If he were to, uh, <laughs> actually, let's just, let's just rephrase that. This week coming up, when he scores his next consecutive uh, game touchdown, he will hold the record himself. Something to be applauded most definitely, but you have to also look at the fact that, you know, now the guy's in concussion protocol. This was something that not too many people knew about. It happened, I guess, on the team plane when the people around him said that he started showing some kind of signs. This leads to him being, you know, kind of doctored up and they go check out what's going on. He was entered in concussion protocol. 
You got to think about him coming off of a short week. I believe they played on Monday. Yeah, they did. <clears throat> so now he's got a, a short week looking ahead to Sunday with his uh, matchup with the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals have been up and down. You know, they got off to an extremely slow start, but we don't know what's going to happen now. Is Joe Burrow going to come off this bye week healthier than he's been all year? You got T. Higgins, who's looking to get more involved in the offense, finally getting healthy himself. Tyler Boyd has stepped up well in uh, Higgins' absence. On top of that, you got Jamar Chase, who we haven't even mentioned yet. I haven't heard much from Joe Mixon. I've, I haven't really played uh, whoever has him in our fantasy league either, so haven't really been too worried about him. But I would have to think that as he gets going, it'll be a little easier for the passing game to get going as well. We'll see how that all pans out. Now, is, is Brock pretty exposed, though? I mean, we, we could talk about that game in depth when we get there, you know, when we start going through these uh, scores and stats. Three turnovers, though. Uh, not 100% sure at the time if they were all attributed to Brock Purdy. I'm pretty sure he threw a couple of picks, if not three. Maybe there was a fumble in there somewhere. None of the fans don't hate me. I, I mean, I've been giving y'all props, but I'm not watching the games. I was watching that one with an eye on IU, but once it looked like that was a wrap, I was like, all right, it is what it is. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was throwing pick cities because it was that third pick where I'm like, bro, they got to go down the field now. Of course, you know, if you got to go down the field, you got Kittle. You got uh, Ayuk as your, as your first options. And then you think about Ray Ray McLeod was there, another receiver by the name of Bell. And um, and then Christian McCaffrey, the fucking touchdown stealer. This guy needs to chill the fuck out or he needs to really get hurt. All right, one or the other. It's your fucking choice, Christian. You need to chill the fuck out. You know what I mean? Let some of your other teammates score or you need to get hurt. Fuck an oblique. You know what I mean? Something more difficult. Fuck, man. Killing me right now with Ayuk not getting these touches in the red zone. Not enough for me altogether, but hey, it is what it is. Now let's talk about, uh, you know, let's just start at the top, man. Let's talk about Mark Davis. What the fuck? I don't know. It's, it's crazy because you see the success that he's having, or I don't know how involved he is in the Las Vegas Aces. They just celebrated uh, two years in a row becoming the WNBA First team to get back-to-back championships. So you, you obviously see what success looks like on one side in, in a different sport, you know, but in that same city. So you go from, you know, being the owner who could get a pat on the back for two consecutive championships for the Las Vegas Aces. And then you got to go to the part of your portfolio where it's the Las Vegas disgraces. What the f- this Raiders team and decision making is horrible from the owner all the way through the coaching staff down to the players who I, I feel, you know, bad for a lot of them. Not all. Marcus Peters, you are fucking atrocious on this fucking football field. I'm tired of trying to keep it cool. You don't deserve to be wearing the number 24 in this fucking colorway on this fucking team in any way at all. You're fucking trash. You you had, you know, decent career in the past, whatever, bro. I knew when teams were kicking the tires on you and kicking you off the fucking squad that we would be fools to take you, but we had this little love affection for any time somebody was a, you know, a fucking Raiders fan in, in the youth, in their in their yesteryears. Yeah, we want to bring them over, let them, let them rock the fucking uh, jersey and whatnot. I remember the story coming, you know, Marcus Peters' dad, strictly Raider fan, wouldn't rock none of his jerseys, especially not when he was on the Chiefs and all that shit. Now your dad's rocking the jersey, and both of y'all look bad in it. Let me just say that. You motherfuckers is fucking... The angles this motherfucker's taking and decisions he's making, two weeks in a row, I'm going to say it. Uh, they're tackling that I'm seeing from this guy. He's fucking standing like... It's some Daria shit. See this motherfucker stick one hand out to a pro athlete. What do you think is going to happen there? He just looks fucking out of place. He is the equivalent to Josh McDaniels on the field. And then let's talk about Josh, the sucker-ass motherfucker on the sideline. First of all, my guy's rocking the visor 24-7. I hope it started raining on his dumbass, doofy-ass fucking head. Stupid in the face looking motherfucker. Then when they talk to him on the sideline, sounds dumb as a dog shit. I don't know what the fuck is going on, bro. I don't know why we allowed this infiltration coming from the fucking Patriots organization, whether it be players, whether it be fucking uh, the quarterback Hoyer from last week. Uh, He gets pulled for the rookie who should have been playing to fucking begin with. Josh McDaniels, you dumb fuck. What else? 
Um, this fucking clown and his clock management has cost us a game. His inability to understand when you need eight points, you can't settle for three, has cost us a game. Um, the fucking... The, I mean, people were, were trying to crucify me for beginning my fucking tenure on, on his tenure with a bunch of shit talk. I knew when that asshole didn't do nothing over there in Denver. He wasn't, you know, going to be able to do shit over here. I go and I'm trying to look at the stats of this guy's coaching career. And I look at fucking this article and I'm clicking on it. And I don't pay attention to where I went to. But I'm reading this shit and I'm like, why do they keep picking this motherfucker up? Talking about, oh, when he came to the Raiders, you know, uh, the offense... They're searching for stats like ESPN does for LeBron. You know, and they'd be like, LeBron, you know, in the third quarter after eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich at halftime is the only player with, you know, and they do some bullshit like that. So for Josh McDaniels, I'm reading this article. They're talking about how when he comes to the Raiders, they scored on 42% of their possessions or some shit, which has been the best since 2001. All right, man, that's that's what's up. Then they talk about, you know, they, got, they have to go way back further. They talk about how when he was uh, head coach of the Broncos, he started off 6-0 and one of those years, right? They don't continue to tell you what the final fucking record was. They don't continue to tell you that there was the biggest fall off after the, you know, he reached those heights. Um, and then, you know, they talk about him being, this is his 23rd season coaching at some capacity in the NFL. So when you've been here for 23 seasons, 23 off seasons, there should be no clock management issues. You shouldn't be relying on what you quote unquote say was analytics to kick a fucking three point field goal Went down eight with the amount of time that was left on that fucking clock. <laughs> it's real asinine shit. Like, that's the shit that you take advantage of when you're playing the little kid in Madden and he don't know that, oh, he just got a D-pass with the fucking clock's about to run out. So, bro, just sitting there, you know, ignorance is bliss trying to pick a play and the time runs out on his ass. That's what happened to the head coach of the fucking Las Vegas disgraces, man. This is coming from a lifelong Raider fan who's not going to switch, never going to waver. I'm going to just sit here and collect the fucking stress and the the gray hairs and and eventually go bald over this shit. But you stupid motherfuckers, man. And you wonder why, you know, and then then you're making so much money, you're you're fucking making hand over fist, like just dumbass amounts of cash because all these ticket sales are, are going through the roof and, you know, fucking prices are higher than ever. And then you look and we don't have a home field advantage at our own home. Because it's become a fucking tourist attraction for whatever Tom, Dick, and Harry's in Vegas at the time. Shit is bad, man. Shit is bad when you got to wait till you play an L.A. team to get a home game. <laughs> it's fucking foul. Um, <clears throat> we're going to get into the specifics of his clock management and everything. I did kind of want to go back a little bit to that Niner shit. I forgot to get a couple sound bites in. Excuse me, one man show over here, man. I gotta get shit done. Um, uh, Shannon Sharp has some has some thoughts on Brock Purdy. I, I don't think he's been too, you know, too. How, what am I looking for? He ain't really tiptoed or walk on eggshells around the Brock Purdy situation. A lot of people are looking at this guy like he's elite. I've never said that. I I figure that you know the average quarterback could go over there and get a lot of shit done with the weapons that they have on offense, along with the defense that does what it does. But Shannon Sharp obviously wasn't sold, and he had some thoughts on Brock Purdy when asked if he was losing faith, or you know uh, if his expectations had fallen, if he had lost confidence in any way. This was his uh, response. Confidence. I, I knew what he was to begin with. I noticed when we had this conversation about three weeks ago, Stephen A. I was trending because I said Brock Purdy wasn't wasn't elite. Now all of a sudden I ain't get nothing. Nobody was on my timeline. Shannon doesn't know what he's talking about. Shannon's a <laughs> hater. He's jealous. I didn't get any of that last night. Remember, I said if you remove that hedge, it's amazing. The Minnesota Vikings and Brian Flores says, you know what? We're taking Christian McCaffrey away. We refuse to let him run the football. We want the ball in that elite quarterback's hand, Brock Purdy. And what happened? Two interceptions. They had three interceptions. They had three turnovers coming in into the game. They had. What, yeah, three turnovers in their first six games. Okay. They had three last night. And when the defense can't be perfect, Kirk Cousins was, what, 8 of 13 on third downs. When he couldn't be perfect, everything around him couldn't be perfect. And they asked Brock Purdy to deliver us. He didn't. He didn't do it. He is what he is because I look at it like this. 
If Brock Purdy is elite, we need another definition for Patrick Mahomes because he's ungodly. He's astronomical. He's out of the world. Brock Purdy is what he is. When things are really, really well, he can he can operate within that system Saturday. But when you ask him to go outside and to be extraordinary, Christian McCaffrey can't run the football. You're down Debo. And then you saw what happened. Uh, he is what he is. And I didn't lose confidence because I know what he was to begin with. Mm. All right. Down the fence, how y'all feel about that? Let me know. Shout out to folks at EA. He said, man, you got to stop putting songs in the back of the fucking uh, sports shit. I'll be zoning out on the lyrics. That being said, say less, man. Prime instrumental. Shout out DJ Premier. Let's talk this sports shit. Week 8, NFL action. Oh, man, we're going to have to talk about this Niner game, this Raiders game. Bear with me, y'all. Going back to last Thursday, what game started off the action for us? That's right. I was at the movies. I wasn't fucking with this game. Jaguars went over to New Orleans to face the Saints led by Derek Carr. That's all you needed to know, right? Of course, uh, Trevor Lawrence covered Ridley in the gang. Travis Etienne and them advanced to 5-2 and two on a 31-24 stomping. Well, actually, it's not stomping. It's seven points. I just can't stand Carr. Of the Saints. Shits and giggles. Let me just see what this motherfucker Carr had. Thirty-three of fifty-five for three hundred and one yards, one touchdown, one interception. Hey man, kind of formidable. If you only getting one pick from Carr, it's a good day. Seventeen carries, sixty-two yards for Alvin Kamara. That's what's up. Not enough. Trevor Lawrence pretty efficient. Twenty on uh, twenty completions on twenty-nine attempts, two hundred four yards and one touchdown. ETN got two tutties on fourteen carries and fifty-three yards. In the Sunday action, you had the Lions going over to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. I mean, all signs were pointing to the Ravens, you know, maybe losing this game, being that the Lions came in the powerhouses that they were at 5-1. And, one. and uh, you know, the Ravens came in at 4-2. and two. Ended up taking care of business at home. 38-6 routing of the uh, Detroit Lions who fall to 5-2, and two, like I said now. And um, a lot of teams, a lot of the top teams in this league are at that 5-2 and two state. Talk about that later in the fantasy league too, man. Fuck. Now let's talk about Josh McDaniels again, man. Let's talk about this Raiders and Bears game. Let's talk about uh, how you know Josh McDaniels has come in thus far and he's lost to uh, who was that last year? Was that Baker Mayfield who came over to take care of a uh, business on the squad? He just had got signed over there on short notice and beat us out of the blue. Just you know, no preparation needed. Then you look at when Jeff Saturday had stepped in interim off the fucking announcing table. He was doing work for ESPN, gets a call, all of a sudden he's on the sideline. Again, short notice, and what happens is make short, uh, short work of the Raiders, led by Josh McDaniels, head coaching, right? Now you talk about a game where a Bears team had been struggling for one, beat up for two, and on the third leg of this all, they didn't have their starting quarterback. No Justin, no Justin Fields, no Khalil Herbert, not even a Rashawn Johnson. You're talking about Devontae Foreman coming in. Oh, man, this shit was some bullshit. Let's look at the stats and how they carved us up this time, man. First and foremost, the Raiders muster only 12 points. We scored three in the second quarter, nine in the fourth. Fucking trash. Brian Horrier, quarterback, was 17 of 32 for 129 yards and two picks. Aiden O'Connell came in 10 of 13, 75 yards, one touchdown, one interception. You got to think about Aiden O'Connell coming in when you're obviously down and you're trying, you know, you're taking risks to try to get 
points on the board as quick as possible. Josh Jacobs, another bad game. 11 carries, 35 yards. You're averaging 3.18 yards per carry. That's just not what we're used to from Josh Jacobs, especially not after last year. Devontae Adams, he had been uh, calling out the squad for his targets. He gets 12 this time, actually catches seven of them joints for 57 yards, no touchdowns. Touchdown was reserved for Jacoby Myers, who got his on seven carries, excuse me, seven receptions on 13 targets and uh, 50 yards. It's looking bad, man. It's prime instrumental ain't really fucking with me. I ain't really fucking with that. Much better. God damn. So how did the Bears beat us? Oh, with that uh, rookie quarterback, Tyson Badgett. Forgive me, I don't know how to fucking say his name because I wasn't listening to them fucking give him praise while he was whooping our ass. 21-29, 162 yards, one touchdown. It was the Devontae Foreman game, man, where he ended up getting that, that receiving touchdown to go along with two rushing touchdowns. Three total tutties in all. 16 carries, 89 yards, averaging over five and a half yards per carry. Darrington Evans also got involved in the running game. 14 carries, 48 yards. Badgett himself went on three carries for 24. So just look at man. Whoever wanted to run on us was getting it in. Except for Nathan Peterman, former Raider. He tried running twice for negative four yards. Fuck you. So yeah, Josh, what's going on, my guy? And I was talking about a week eight action. This is all week seven. My fault. Browns, Colts, another game that shocked people. This one was actually stolen from the Colts, if you uh, ask me. The, the, the officiating in this game was atrocious. Down to the wire, you know, a lot of key plays were being made from the Colts to win this game in any way possible. And then every time they would make a play, the referee would take it from them somehow with some type of penalty that was uncalled for. Not every single one of them, but down late, it just seemed like somebody was trying to... Uh, to get the victory that they wanted. It results in a 39-38 victory for the Browns, who were again, I don't know if Deshaun played this game. Let me actually click on that. I was watching this on Red Zone, and I, I was focused into it towards the end, but there's just so much more bullshit going on. Yeah, Deshaun uh, came in and came out. That's right. He was one of five, five yards and in an interception. I think he went out with another injury with his head hitting the uh, field. Now it's all coming back to me. P.J. Walker, though, went 15-32 for 178 yards. No touchdowns in the pick. Still, somehow, they win the game from two touchdowns off of Kareem Hunt's rushing attempts. Uh, 10, 10 carries, 31 yards, two touchdowns. Jerome Ford also added to the rushing game with 11 carries, 74 yards, and a touchdown of his own. Bills, Patriots. Those Patriots that just came off a victory against the uh, Disgraces. Add to another one. Maybe they are no flukes. After being down the way that they were, they get uh, another victory. This time over the Buffalo Bills. What's going on in Buffalo? You don't know who, which team you're getting each week. And uh, for, the, for the Patriots to be able to get this one, you know, a four-point victory at home. Got me scratching my head. Bills get it together, man. They uh, do play tonight, kicking off week eight. Commanders and Giants, this game had to be trash. I'm looking at this stat line, and not even the stat line. I'm looking at now Commanders fall to 3-4 and four after losing 7-14 to 14 to the New York Giants, who now advance to 2-5. and five. No need to look at that stat line. Obviously, nobody did shit. Falcons, Buccaneers. Falcons came in 3-3. Three and three. Bucks were 3-2. and two. Until today. Actually, until last Sunday, 16 to 13 victory for the Falcons. Desmond Ritter and them. No Beyond Robinson. Bijan Robinson. It is Bijan me. Why he didn't play the uh, nothing on the injury report. And then once you know he became a game time scratch, they they were asked about it, and I think the head coach said something about a migraine. NFL is definitely investigating into that shit. I don't know what the issue is. I know that you're supposed to, you know, signify which players are going to be playing or who aren't, you know, in advance. But, hey, beyond, you know, Bijan, whatever the fuck, however you want to pronounce it, my fault, brother. He, uh, he fucked up a lot of people's fantasy games. You know what I mean? We'll talk about that shit later. 16-13 victory for Desmond Ritter, Kyle Pitts, and the rest of the fellas. 4-3 and three for the Falcons. Now the Bucks fought to 3-3. Three and three. 
Steelers and Rams, another one of those surprising games because, you know, the Steelers were, their trajectory was going in one direction while the Rams, you know, you think about Matthew Stafford bouncing back from his struggles last season. Think about uh, Puka Nakua and what he's been able to contribute as a rookie. Then Cooper Cup's return. Everything seemed like it was, you know, falling into place. The running game is an issue, a bunch of injuries there. But the Rams uh, weren't able to get a victory here. At home, they lose to the Steelers, who now advance to 4-2, and two, while the Rams fall to 3-4 and four after a 24-17 Steelers victory. Cardinal Seahawks. I want to remind y'all, this is no notes, man. This is just, you know, let's keep going. Cardinals travel over to uh, Seattle to take on the Seahawks. They came in 1-5, while the Seahawks were 3-2. and two. Seahawks get a victory. Um, DK Metcalf was out of this game. He's supposed to return this week. Uh, people are saying to hold back expectations on him. We shall see. But the Cardinals found a way to lose this game. Um, still no Kyler Murray. I don't know if they're you know waiting to get him back or what. Josh Dobbs was still at the helm for this game. He loses ten to twenty. Cardinals are now one and six, while the Seahawks are four and two. Packers and Broncos. Packers came in at two and three. Well, the Broncos were 1-5. The bottom of the AFC West, they found a way to win this game. I don't know what's going on with Jordan Love and those guys. He had a strong start to the season. Was, uh, I think he was ranked pretty much up in the top five for the first three, four games of the year. And then, you know, the struggles ensued. Oh, oh I got a diamond. Hold on, yo. Somehow, someway, uh, the Broncos find a victory. Still only 19 points. I would have to look and see how much points they scored this year, but it don't seem like they've been doing much. Got a two-point victory here in advance to 2-5, and five, while the Packers fall to 2-4. and four. AFC West matchup, Chargers and Chiefs. This game had a lot of implications on it. You know what I mean? These two teams, regardless of the Raiders being in second place in the AFC West right now, you would have to think that when it gets down to the nitty-gritty, these two teams are going to be uh, fighting for those, those positions. Maybe not a fight. Because uh, the Chiefs just continue to win. They are now 6-1, while the Chargers fell to 2-4 after a 31-17 victory. I guess it was National Tight Ends Day. I don't know what the fuck's going on with that shit. Just every day is a day for some bullshit now. But uh, all the tight ends in the league were fucking going crazy. Travis Kelsey. No, uh, no different. Put up 35 for me in the fantasy league, and, and the Chiefs were able to put up 31 themselves. Like I said, they're six and one. Chargers are two and four. Sunday night game. Everybody was expecting this to be a lot closer than it was, but the referees again decided this one. If you ask me, not not you know not wholeheartedly. The play still had to be made, but 10 uh, penalties against the Dolphins, while zero were assessed against uh, the Eagles. A lot of clear fucking penalties on the Eagles as well, including the headmaster that got yanked and turned. That should be a no-brainer, 15 yards, automatic first down. But all in all, you know, they turned a blind eye to it. It was a 31-17 victory for the Eagles, who now advanced to 6-1. and one. The Dolphins are 5-2. and two. 49ers are going to join those gentlemen at 5-2 and two because they uh, found a way to lose the game against the Vikings on Monday night. The whole world watching, expecting, you know, the best to come out of y'all. Of course, you know, no Debo. Um, Christian McCaffrey was a little injured, but he came in doing his thing, so that was an excuse. It was really just, you know... Actually, let's look into this, man. I, I know the Addison was going off, you know. Uh, the wide receiver Addison for Minnesota had a, had a hell of a game. Every time I turned around, he was doing something. So that, you know, leads into a great Kirk Cousins game as well, right? Brock Purdy, not so much. He had the two interceptions on 21 to 30 for 272 yards and one touchdown. Christian McCaffrey was pretty much uh, held in check. 15 carries, only 45 yards. Of course, he gets his touchdown, but he's averaging three yards per carry. That's not something that you're used to seeing. Elijah Mitchell will try to get in. He had one carry for negative one. George Kittle carried the ball one time for two yards. Brock Purdy carried five times for 19. They weren't able to do anything on the running game, which led to them having to air it out. And once that was the case, you know, people were making uh, moves on Brock Purdy. George Kittle had a decent game. Seven targets, five receptions, 78 yards. Uh, Ayuk, I needed more, man. He was five of five. They targeted him five times in the first half. He caught five of them joints for 57 yards. And in the second fucking half, he's only targeted once. It was a fucking letdown for me to say the absolute least. 
Uh, Christian McCaffrey, one fumble loss, so that was the third turnover. My bad, uh, Brock. I tried to put three on you. It wasn't your fault. All in all, man, let's, let's, let's talk about what happened over there on that Viking side of the ball. Kirk Cousins, 35 and 45, 378 yards, two touchdowns and one pick. Gotta fucking applaud that shit, man. Uh, good job from Kirk Cousins. Alexander Madison in the rushing game, eight carries, 39 yards. Averaging 4.88 yards per carry. Cam Makers. It was a Cam Makers sighting. 10 carries, 31 yards. But through that receiving game, Jordan Addison, the wide receiver, seven receptions on 10 targets, 123 yards and two touchdowns. Hell of a game for him, as well as another tight end showing up for the uh, national holiday, apparently. 11 receptions on 12 targets, 86 yards for TJ Hawkinson. Brandon Powell also made a sign here, man. Targeted five times, four receptions, 64 yards himself. Everybody was spread out. K.J. Osborne had a good game. Cam Makers helped out in the receiving game as well. It was all over the place, man. Two picks from Cameron Brynum to go along with his two pass deflections. Good shit, man. Uh, Minnesota was able to advance to three and four. While the Niners... I don't even want to say fall to 5-2. You know, the Niners are now 5-2. 22-17 victory for the Vikings. It was a heavy uh, bye week. You know, Panthers, Texans, Cowboys, Jets, Titans, and Bengals were all on a bye. That also affected fantasy football, man. Let's talk about this Week 8 game. I mean, Week 8 slate of games before we go any further. Like I said, I'm dropping this on Friday, so this game would have already went down. But the Buccaneers and the Bills. Bills are hosting, looking to bounce back after a head scratcher on how they were able to lose that game against the Patriots. So now we're going to, you know, take it out on the Buccaneers. That's my opinion. I feel like they're going to be 5-3 and three by the time this shit drops. And the Buccaneers will be 3-4. and four. I got the Bills winning that game. Let me actually go make my picks while I do this, so I'm not sure I don't forget any of these motherfuckers. Elite 23 picks on the ESPN Fantasy of Pick Skin Pick'em game. Promise y'all next week I'll have better instrumentals for y'all. I am uh, I'm struggling like y'all are. Now I'm talking about Sunday action. It's the Rams 3-4 and four going over to the 4-2 and two Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I had to pick the Cowboys in this joint. Vikings coming off that uh, victory we just spoke about against the Niners. They're going to go over to Green Bay, taking their 3-4 and four team to take on the 2-4 and four Packers. I got the Vikings building on that win and getting another victory on the road. Falcons, 4-3. and three. Titans, 2-4. and four. This game is going to take place in Tennessee. They're talking about uh, Davis Mills starting in Tennessee. You know, Tannehill's not been doing what's been expected. Uh, Desmond Ritter, he's been up and down. He's, he's able to get the ball. North and south, but you know, there's been a lot of turnover issues there. I think um I think eventually the team will rally around the young quarterback in Tennessee, but I think today I'm gonna have to go with the Falcons in that game. Another road win. Saints and Colts, both teams are three and four. I got uh, a lot more faith in Zaire Franklin and them guys and in the in the uh type of anger they're gonna have, the type of chip on their shoulder after what happened to them with the refs last week. And then you talk about the Saints. Let's talk about Chris Olave was arrested on uh, reckless endangerment, reckless driving or some shit. 75 in a 30-something zone. They said there may be some type of, uh, you know, punishment coming from the league, but that will not hinder him in week eight. He will be playing in this game. I don't think it makes much of a factor being that uh, Carr is playing the way that he is. Yeah, 300 yards and all that. But as far as getting points, it's been hard to come by over there. Alvin Kamara has been... uh, Obviously a, a boost for them, but I still got the Colts winning that game at home. They talk about that Patriots team. They just won it in, in division game, you know, a division rivalry game against the Bills. Nobody expected them to win. Now they face another team in their division that nobody expects them to beat, the Miami Dolphins. Miami also coming off that loss to Philly, and, and, and you know, the refs and penalties playing a factor in there as well. Same premise. I got the Dolphins bouncing back after their win. I got the Patriots, you know, looking like the Patriots once again. And uh, the Dolphins taking care of business. Battle for New York. 
Battle of the Burrows. New York Jets, New York Giants, three and three Jets, two and five Giants. Both teams, you know, trajectories kind of been going all over the place. The Giants have got healthy, then got hurt again. No, no word on if uh, we're gonna see Daniel Jones. Tyrod Taylor has been doing his thing. Cannot lie to you, but um, I think you know Saquon Barkley comes back. It's gonna make it easier for any quarterback. Will it be easy against this Jets defense? I don't think so. This is one of those games going to come back to bite me. I'm going to take another road team. I got the Jets winning this game on the road over the Giants. But are they really a road team? I mean, they're both at home. Jaguars. They want to play in Jacksonville, but they're not going to. They're not going to be in London this week either. They're going to be in Pittsburgh taking on the 4-2 Steelers, bringing their 5-2 record over there. And I, I think they advanced to 6-2 after this. I got the Jaguars winning on the road. I do like Deontay Johnson back, and I hope that he's able to help out that offense and, you know, they can do some shit because, fantasy, we'll talk about it. Eagles commanders, commanders hosting the Eagles. The Eagles coming off the victory against the Dolphins. I think, you know, I would be really disappointed if they get that victory and then lose over here to Sam Howell and them. I got the Eagles winning on the road, and we got a lot of road victories. I might have to check the uh, Bavada out. Houston Texans, 3-3, three three, taking on the 0-6 Panthers. <laughs> Gotta go road again because this game is in Carolina. I think they'll win one eventually. Is this a game that they could win? Yes, but CJ Stroud, I have a lot of more uh, faith in than I do. Bryce Young, who has looked like the bust of all busts this year. I don't know. I don't know if they should have started him right away. You know, maybe in you know hindsight's 2020, but after a couple of weeks of this, maybe you say, hey, let's let's play Dalton and let him uh, let him learn. They haven't done that, and their their record reflects that they're 0 six. Probably going after a young quarterback next year as well. Uh, Houston Texans, I got them winning that game. Browns, Seahawks. This game takes place in front of the 12th man in Seattle. D- DK Metcalf is uh, rumored to be coming back or expected to be coming back to join Tyler Lockett and the rest of the squad. Kenneth Walker the third. I think the running game is going to be what gets them to victory if they should win games this year, and I think they're going to have to lean on that. If you get behind on third down, obviously you're going to have to get to some of those receivers, but you got a great receiving core to go along with the rookie. Um, Gino, looking for him to bounce back, get it together. I'm not sure if Deshaun's going to play. If P.J. Walker is playing, uh, the Browns might actually have a better chance. As crazy as that sounds, being you know the money that was spent, to, the guaranteed money that was given to Deshaun. I think he made out like a bandit. And uh, the Seahawks are going to make out a victory at home. Division rivalry game, not much of a rivalry. I mean, the Broncos, who are the Broncos are, they're 2-5, and five, hosting the 6-1 and one Chiefs, who I highly expect to be 7-1 and one after this game. Kelsey, we need help, man. Do your thing. Fucking can't believe I'm saying that shit. Ravens, 5-2. E- <laughs> Excuse me, Cardinals, 1-6. Proof that all birds are not created equal. Hey, quote the Ravens. We're going to win on Sunday. While the uh, Cardinals, I expect to be never more. I got the Cardinals going down to one and seven. While the, while the uh, you know, I feel like the Ravens are going to be six and two after this. Sunday. Niners back on the field following the losses. Looking to make sure right at home in front of them Santa Clara fans. Right there in front of the drop zone. Right there in front of whatever they got going on at uh, Great America for Halloween. Scary beat, huh? I don't think the Niners are going to lose three in the, three in a row, but I, I got a feeling the Bengals are going to have a good game. I don't know, man. I'm picking against the Niners. Fuck it. I'm switching my pick. Let's go, Bengals. Burrow, uh, Chase, Higgins, Boyd, Mixon. Can we get a Mixon sighting? I think the blueprints have been put out there. I think whatever whatever was done last week, you know, to uh, to hinder the uh, 49ers from, from from the Vikings can be kind of mirrored or mimicked. Hopefully the Bengals are able to pick it up. Spooky. It's going to be spooky for them Bears, man. Badgett's going to get that uh, rude awakening when he goes up against, hopefully Bose is back to put that motherfucker back in his place. And, uh, you know, Khalil Mack has been on the fucking terror this year as well. So the Chargers are 2-4 and four at this time against the 2-5 uh, and five Bears who are coming over to L.A. I got the Chargers winning that game along with 89% of the other people on this motherfucking app. Talk about a, a lopsided percentage. 
The Niners are picked by Excuse me The Raiders are picked by 4% To win on Monday night When they travel to Detroit To play a team That just took a rough loss I expect Goff and the guys To get their fucking act together The Raiders man We are 3-4 and four right now In second place in our division But it's, it's not looking good This is a stretch now Where we got the Lions The Chiefs are coming up Two weeks in the next five I believe gonna be rough man I got the uh, Lions winning this game so that should be the reason why we win it right anytime I pick against us that's what I got going in week 8 fantasy wise let's talk about it man two weeks in a row two weeks in a row old Purdy bastard goes away with a high score getting 240 in the past two weeks the buy in was 340 gentlemen if you win one more time you were getting paid to play in the unprofessional fantasy football league who the fuck else could say that? Well, actually, my brother Jose could say that too. He's one away from also reaching that. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about this fucking league, man. I want to go back to week seven just to talk about what fucked me over, man. I had a great game from Hertz. Great, you know, decent. Fifty-one points. I'm happy with. Keenan Allen, you son of a bitch. Four receptions, 55 yards on nine targets. He had nine points from Keenan Allen. Brandon Ayuk had a great first half, got 10 points. In the second half, absolutely nothing. Swift. I don't know why, man. It's just even when it's, you know, time to run out the game, they give the ball to Gainwell, and I get none of them fucking garbage, garbage yards or points from uh from Swift. He was held to 10. Jalen Warren scored 10 for me, surprisingly. Was able to make up for it with a touchdown late in the game. Otherwise, it would have been pretty atrocious for him as well. Like I said, on, on tight end, national tight end day, uh, Kelsey did his motherfucking thing. 35 points, 12 receptions, 179 yards. A touchdown on 13 targets. Alave, I was, you know, worried about what to do. Played Alave. He was able to get 12 points, but 15 targets and only 7 receptions. I feel like there was a lot that was left there on the field. Who was on the bench for me? Josh Downs, who had a great game. Five receptions, 125 receiving yards, a touchdown on six targets, 23 points on my bench. Deontay Johnson was coming straight off IR. I didn't know whether to play him or not. He ended up getting the same 12 Alave did. And then A-Chan, man, please come back. Fuck. Tyler Bass was uh, projected to get nine points in the kicking game for me. He ended the game with five. The 30 and 39-yard field goal. Converted. This is what really hurt me, man. I'm looking at Baltimore going up against Detroit, right? The tw- they're they're in the red because Detroit's offense is what it is. Then I'm looking at the Raiders going up against fucking Chicago with Badgett starting his first game with Foreman being the running back who I had started the week prior and didn't get much from. I'm looking at everything like, all right, our defense is gonna be able to do a thing. I'm expecting ten at the very least. It was a ten point differential between me and. Uh, my brother-in-law ended up beating me. Shit was foul. Ravens got 14. <laughs> fucking Raiders ended with four points on their defense. That ended up being the uh, the deciding factor. I would have actually tied. It wouldn't have been a victory. But it also wouldn't have been a loss. I lose 146 to 156. So my brother Elijah, he got that W. Let's look at how the league, the league is affected. Still in first place, but that is only points related, and 70 points is the only thing that separates me now from old Purdy Bassard, who also has a 5-2 record in second, in second spot. Third place belongs to Easy Breezy, who's also 5-2. That's really tight in those, in those top three spots. Everybody over 1,000 points, with uh, Breezy being at 1,003, Purdy at 1,011, and me being at 1,081. It's really close. It's going to be... Uh, very interesting to see what happens. Waiver wire boys, not to be forgotten about at all. Like I said, this guy had the uh, auto draft, forgot about the draft, and uh, waiver wired himself. Like you said, waiver wire boys, five and two himself with 983 points scored. Ray Finkel, fifth place now, four two and one after that tie last week, I believe. My brother who beat me, man, Gen Seven, four and three. He's also got a gang of points, 10,034, so let's not excuse that. He must have just been getting everybody's best outing. 
Donze at 7th place, 4 and 3 with 930 points scored. Cheese Grater at 3 and 4, 922 points scored. Guru from the Dirty Dozen, 2, 4, and 1. He also shared in that tie. Uh, 913 points put on the board. Oh, man, this is a shocker to me. Is it Playa or Players down at 10th place with 2 and 5 record and 960 points scored? And um, I hate to say it, man. The success that the Niners are finding in actual, you know, NFL action is not translating to the fantasy football league here. 49er Forever and Niner Gang round out 11 and 12. With the uh, 49er Forever being 2 and 5 and Niner Gang being 0 and 7. Let's see what my matchup is this week. I get 49er Forever as a matchup. Looking at it right now, is he affected by bye game, by a bye week in any way? No. All of his, uh, oh, excuse me, Deshaun Watson is questionable to play, and that's his quarterback as of now. Backup is Sam Howard. You know, I think Sam Howard will be formidable. As of now, I'm projected to um, to win the game. Let's look at some of the league matchups and what's going to happen here. Projections got uh, E.C. Breezy at third, you know, in third place right now, winning again by nine points. That's really close. Anything could happen there. Niner Gang and Guru from the Dirty Dozen meet each other this week. That's a 12 and nine matchup. Niner Gang is projected to win right now as the. Uh, as the rosters are set up at currently. Six and ten matchup between Gen 7 and Playa or Player. That shit's going down with a three-point differential in projections, 135 to 132. Players expected to get that victory. Projections in the oh, this is a matchup right here. Two five and two teams. Somebody's gonna have to get a third loss. This is I hate this to sound like you know I'm excited about that, but I can't lie, I'm excited about that. Waiver Wire Boys in fourth place, taking on Old Party Bastard in second place. Again, his projections are up there, man. 146 projected to get the high score this week again. If that's the case, we're going to have to start working out a percentage, fam. Damn. Ray Finkel and Cheese Grater meet in the 5 and 8 matchup with uh, Ray Finkel projected to win by 11 points with the 135 projection up against a 124 projection. Anything is possible. A lot of people haven't even set their rosters yet. That could all change, but as of now, that's what it's looking like. We're getting into the nitty-gritty of this motherfucking season. Not too much is uh, separated. There's there's four and three teams all the way in seventh place, and five and two is what's holding first place right now, so not not too much difference. A lot of parity in this league, and that should be fun, you know, when it gets down to the uh, playoff weeks. Good luck to everybody out there. See what y'all can do on the waiver wires. Whatever y'all work out, I'm waiting for A-Chan to come back and then holler at me. I mean, we'll see what goes, what goes down following that. Beats, come on, Premier. What the fuck were you rapping over, Royce? This Saturday, another one of those whack-ass start times. 11 a.m. is going to be the main card, beginning with uh, the Fury-Naganu matchup. Tyson Fury versus Francis Naganu. This is going to be taking place, I think, in Saudi Arabia. Early start time, gentlemen. Make sure that y'all got y'all coffees ready. You know what I mean? Put your little uh, grandpa's old cough medicine in there if need be. Sure, there's more shit that's gonna come to light. Oh man, oh man, hold on. Stop the music, man. Stop the music. Stop the music. Silly of me, man. Let's go. Let's go to these stories one time. Got some saved shit over here in the sports uh sports section. Ah oh, man. News has come out. Uh, we talked about the Alave thing. Let's talk about the Raiders breaking news. No, no, not really breaking news, but as of a day ago, they have given uh. Hunter Renfro, the opportunity to go out and seek a trade, his permission to find a trade partner before the October 31st trade deadline. Workloads dropped. You know, he hasn't been factored into the game at all. That's leading to that decision-making. It is what it is. We shall see what happens. Hopefully we get something back. Um, we, we're going to talk a little bit of basketball, too, before we get the fuck out of here. Hold on. Um, let's talk about Dwight Howard. Now, what people choose to do is what people choose to do, and it's none of our fucking business. But let's just say that this guy's, you know, it's gone from, you know, an outing situation as far as where his sexuality is to now a legal situation. And in that point, you know, something's got to be talked about. He's now uh, admitted to meeting up with somebody of the same sex, but is uh, vehemently 
denying sexual assault, claiming that everything was a uh, consensual exchange. However, some of these texts, you know, that that, that have come to light, um, and, and some of the witness accounts has, has got pretty vulgar, you know, pretty. Um, how would you say it? It's getting graphic. So more of this is going to come to light as, as shit goes on. It's not, you know, I'm not going to do anything to, to try to, you know, make do feel bad about what's going on unless this is a sexual assault. If that's the case, then it's completely different. If y'all are two consenting adults doing what y'all do, that's y'all business. If it comes down to where, you know, you're talking about a seven foot individual, that could be some shit for somebody to have to deal with. Um, pause, man. <laughs> but I'm saying like, you know, you have to factor in the fact that who knows who the, who the man was. I mean, I'm sure there's a name here. I haven't tried to go down the rabbit hole of, of looking up more information on, on the other gentleman, but, um, uh, alleged that, you know, there was a sexual assault and forced to resum action between Dwight Howard, a woman and another man. And, um, more will come to light. Dwight, I hope that, you know, you're telling the truth and shit was consensual. A lot of this stuff is starting to make sense now. There was a lot of rumors of Dwight signing to the Warriors before the uh, before the season tipped off, and that didn't come to light. You saw, uh, you know, signings of other people over there, and, and it's starting to make a little bit more sense now. Uh, we, we'll see what happens, but Dwight definitely uh, got himself with some shit. Let's talk basketball now. I told you that the NBA tipped off the other day, and, and with that being said, you know, NBA on TNT, they, they carried both games. They were talking about that Denver-Lakers uh, game first, and at the conclusion of that, they were, you know, asked questions about the game coming up next, which at that time was going to be the Warriors and the Suns. Charles Barkley had some statements. This is what he had to say about the Warriors. So uh, later tonight... Phoenix Suns, Golden State Warriors in San Francisco. I'm really looking forward to watching the Suns play. Yeah, I mean, now you got Frank Vogel as their head coach. Frank Vogel, who got, who got jobbed by the Lakers, and they blamed everything on him and Russell Westbrook. I'm really looking forward to watching the Suns. They did a great job going out getting Bradley Beal and, and, and making their bench. I'm Bradley, not worried too Bradley much. Bradley Beal questionable yeah, but he, uh, tonight, yeah, yeah. with low back. But, and the Warriors aren't. The Warriors are the fourth best team in California. Oh shit! In Ooh, my opinion, fourth best. So you don't. What? Why do you not think much of Golden State? Old people. Old people don't get better. They just get older. Uh, Ooh, damn. I just don't. I don't like. Uh, I think. I, I just don't like their team going forward. They've had a great run, great organization, but the, the Lakers, Sacramento, and the Clippers are all better. Than and not the in that order either, motherfucker. Kings up top. That shit. Let it be known. No, fuck with you. But I'm not, though. Um, a lot to be said about that. You know, he's, he's got his opinions on the Warriors. Who's to say that he's right or wrong? I would like to get a Warriors opinion on that, Warriors fan opinion on that at the very least. So, you know, if anybody's out there wants to uh, stick up for the Warriors, holler at me. We'll make it happen. The Warriors didn't do much, like I said, in that game to, to disprove what was said. They went out there and uh, lost at home to the Suns. Granted, you know, the Suns got a stacked team. But with that being said, uh, you know, Kevin Durant kind of played off. It, his, it wasn't his best game. It looks like he's still trying to get, you know, back in the game shape. Bradley Beal sat out with load management, as was discussed in that previous clip. Um, you know, before we get to that, let's talk about, you know, load management. This is Charles Barkley's thoughts on it. <laughs> this motherfucker was very vocal the other day. This was directly in front of Adam Silver and a bunch of these fans he was talking about. Well, let me say this. I'm talking to the players, man. Forget the ownership. Forget the fans. As a player, if you're going to make $50, $60 million a year to play basketball three or four days a week, play basketball, man. Now, if you're injured, if you're injured, don't play. But everybody hurts after the first two weeks of the season. Your, your legs sore, your knees sore. If you're injured, I don't want you to play. But the notion that, number one, bless these guys. You're making 30, 40, 50 million dollars to play basketball four days a week. Y'all got the best shoes. You got the best medical staff. You got these guys sleeping in chambers. You got ice baths. Man, if you can play, shut the hell up and play. Hey, you know, I, I have a lot to say on this topic, 
being that I'm going to 11 games this year, I would really be upset if uh, seven of those games I'm not able to see the full, you know, squad out there. With that being said, you know, once it gets down to the later time and, you know, later in the season when you're, when you're about to go into this playoff scenarios or even a play-in tournament, you got to think about resting certain players, you know, and, and I understand that aspect. I could see that towards the end and how that could become a strategic play. But if you're talking about a Bradley Bill missing game one with a with load management, what fucking load? Like, what'd y'all do? Obviously, they didn't need them. They pulled it out a 108 to 104 victory in in, uh, in San Francisco. While the Nuggets were able to get their 12-point victory, 119 uh, to 107. But like I said, man, I mean, if it's a, if it's a strategic thing, then of course do what you got to do. But if it's a matter of just you know a player you know just wanting to sit out or or whatever it may be in the beginning of the year, like that's that's crazy. Whoever bought that you know season tip off game to see the Warriors and and the Suns was under the premise that they were going to see that brand new Suns team. No Draymond for the Warriors. No no Bradley Beal for the Suns. I don't know. People are kind of getting shorted out here, and, and it's not to be uh, not to be ignored. That was what kicked off on Tuesday. That was the tip-off of the season on Wednesday. More games got involved. More teams saw action. The Magic, 30-point 30, 30 victory over the Rockets. I don't know what's going on in Houston. That was in Orlando. I don't think the Magic are too much to, you know, be excited about right now, but they still get a 30-point victory on the first game of the season. Celtics, 108-104 to 104 victory over the Knicks. There's a lot of rumors of the Knicks going after Embiid and being willing to give up damn near everything for it. If that's the case, we'll see what happens. 121-43 Pacers victory over the Wizards. The Hornets won a six-point victory, 110-116 over the Hawks. Real close game. Timberwolves 94, Raptors 97. Pistons 102-103. Loss against the Heat. Man, who gives a fuck about that? The Kings got their victory, 16-point win, 130 to 114, putting up fucking 130 in game one. That's what I'm fucking talking about. Let's talk about them, man, because none of that other shit really matters. Um, Looking at it, you know, this is taking place in Salt Lake City. We're on the road. We're going up against this uh, fucking... Utah Jazz team, never been a fan of Utah Jazz teams ever. Like, never really been uh, blown away by shit that they did either. Uh, let's see who, you know, the defensive player of the game chain went over to Harrison Barnes for the first game of this uh, season. You look at who was able to do things for us offensively. Harrison Barnes had 33 points as well to lead the team in scoring. Followed by Sabonis, who had 22. D. Fox had 18 of his own. Herder scored seven. Kyler Murray at 15. Looking at this bench, you know, you got uh, Sasha, the new European star, comes over. He gets eight. Malik Monk had 10. JaVel McGee, eight points. And the fashion that he got him in was very, uh, very exciting for me to see. If I'm talking about a big man who could do offensively, the type of shit that he was able to do uh, yesterday. I'm excited for it. If you get some bonus in McGee in there on some of these games where you're playing the, the taller Squads, you think about the Lakers, think about uh, even even this fucking Utah team is pretty tall. Um, I'm excited to see that going forward. We'll see. A lot of these players, you know, I'm not too not too uh, familiar with on our bench now. I know Kessler Edwards. Kobe Jones has, has done this thing. Uh, I'm not too familiar with Ellis or Ford, but we'll see. Now um, yeah, let's talk about Wemby, man, the, the fucking talk of the league. Victor Wembenyama, star of the uh, San Antonio Spurs. They had a battle. They had a battle of uh, of Texas going on when they played the Dallas Mavericks. This game was decided by seven points, and Wemby does not win his initial game. The Mavericks get the victory. But I want to really quickly just go look at the stat line for this guy, Victor Wemby. Uh, you know, his his debut was spoiled, but um. Maybe uh, maybe the game says, you know, maybe the stats say differently. Wembenyama was 6 of 9 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3-pointer, from 3-point range, excuse me, from 3-pointer. Sounds fucking disgusting. Five rebounds defensively, 
two assists, two steals, one block. Did have five turnovers. Uh, I mean, end of the game with 15 points. Not, not Nothing too flashy. Leading scorer was uh, Vassal for the Spurs, who had 23. They got some bench play and, and you know, some bench contribution, but not enough. Um, you look over here at, at the uh, Dallas side of things. Led in scoring by Luke Luca, of course, 33 points. Kyrie right behind him with 22. Tim Hardaway Jr. put 17 up on the board to go along with the newly acquired Grant Williams, who came over from uh, Boston. Damn, Mavericks team got a little bit of a bench, too. They got Richard uh, Rashawn Holmes from us. Got Markeith Morris on the bench who did not play for, due to coach's decision. Yeah, they got they got some squad over there. Be interesting to see uh, Seth Curry over there as well. All right. Now let's talk about tomorrow, man. Tomorrow's game's going on in the NBA. I mean, let's not talk about many. Let's just talk about the Battle of uh, of Northern California. The, the Warriors are going to come over to the Golden One Center for the home debut of the Sacramento Kings. 7 p.m. tip-off, Warriors-Kings. I got the Kings winning, obviously. Like Barkley said, fourth best in the, in, in the state of California. I say uh, a lot of that remains to be seen. Can't really put nothing on the Clippers until I see them prove it. And the, the Lakers, you know, they're up and down. And as of now, both those teams are 0-1-1. 